Coming to you live from the JRE Tobacco Aladino Mobile Studios, it's the Cigar Pulpit. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm the Bishop of the Burn, and with me today... Nick, by the way, I'm Nick, not, you know, whatever. (laughs) And with me today, we have Mr. Jonathan from Two Guys Smoke Shop and the Cigar Authority. How you doing? What's happening? Not, not not much. Just chilling out. The Bishop of the Burn. You had to pick the one piece on the chessboard that looks like a penis. <laughs> you know, that was never pointed out to me until just now. Um, the, uh, the, the origin of that, actually, was Jeff and I were going over to the cigar shop in St. Louis that we were frequenting at the time, and... Um, we were we were talking about how we were starting this up and everything. And, you know, of course, Jeff had to point out, you know, that his nickname is Gator. And everybody was like, well, what's yours going to be? And I said, I don't have one. And so they started working on it. And one of the customers over there, Strong, uh, he wanted to call me Coco. But um, Bishop of the Burns better. Yeah, that didn't really work. So I, I nixed that. So then uh, Larry Mabry and Strong came up with uh, with Bishop of the Burn because they wanted to go with the whole, you know, church, pulpit, whatever theme. So how did talk walk me through that part? How did <laughs> the name of the podcast come about as Cigar Pulpit? So that was a joke um, in that you, you've heard Pastor Barnaby of the I don't think so. The the the, the cigar smoking pasta, pasta Barnaby. Yes, Rolf. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. So we, for whatever reason, I I was doing that before the show. We were just joking around, doing this whole cigar smoking preacher man, and you know from from the church of the Holy Podomo, and uh, which I guess now, if anybody's listening from the Cigar Authority, you got a drink now. But um, <laughs> uh, anyway. So we were doing that, and for whatever reason, and Jeff just came up with this idea of, you know, keeping the the churchy theme and and you know going with that, and so he came up with it. Personally, you know, I was looking for something maybe a little bit more generic, a little bit more whatever. But people already beat me to some of the uh, more generic ones, and so we went with that, and nobody took it. Surprisingly enough, yeah. So it's all right. I, I've always thought it was. I always thought it was a great name. I just I didn't know the origin story. Well, I appreciate that. So, well, today you and I are going to be talking and smoking the uh, Aladino Vintage Selection in the uh, Elegante. Or so I'm going to show off right now. These are pre-released bench samples of both the Cameroon Lancero and the uh, Habano Lancero that were I was given two of each. One to smoke and uh, one to take apart, and I just never took mine apart. You, I are, believed Husto. You are showing off right now. I mean, so I, I knew I had these in my humidor, and I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I have an opportunity to show off right now. Okay. The only thing is, uh, which is, it's not always common for someone to put the the bench samples in cellophane, so I'm going to have to take mine out here. <laughs> uh, even even without Gator. Yeah, it's almost there. <laughs> One more inch. <laughs> uh, oh, 
I can't wait to hear what Barry has to say about <laughs> you saying one more inch. Um, anyway, the uh, the cigar features uh, uh, Honduran Habano wrapper, Honduran Corojo binder and filler. It measures seven by thirty eight, and comes to us from our friends over at Jerry Tobacco Aladino. The show, folks over there. Oh, fantastic folks over there. I mean, you know, they they sponsored our wackiness. I mean, we gotta we gotta respect. So you guys put out a good product. Well, I appreciate that. Sometimes we phone it in. Like um Is there uh, an official cutting or anything? Yeah. Or? I'm I'm yeah, yeah, we're getting uh, to that. Um Yeah, yeah, take your time. I, was I just, just didn't want to jump the gun. <laughs> but no, I uh we we've got um i'm actually racking and stacking episodes today so so for a little behind the scenes here you know we're recording this uh this monday and so you're first up and then later on today jeff and i are gonna once he wakes up um we're gonna record um for tuesday and uh the uh episode that we have planned for tuesday if we can pull it off, there's been a little bit of a, a, a hitch thrown into the plan for it. If we can pull it off, yeah, this is going to be a really ignorant episode. Like, really, really ignorant. So, you're bringing, like the, that. You're bringing the class to this week because Tuesday is going to be Well, I did, I did bust stupid. out the ficus just for this show. I, you mean, know, it, I know, I feel it's like... It's normally in the closet, and I pulled it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave the pulling things out of the closet joke alone, but um anyway, um I feel like I'm like behind or between two ferns, you know, going on with uh Zach That Dillon. was the look. That was good. It's good. That was you, the look. You, you have that look going on there. All right. So let's go ahead and cut this cigar and the official cutting is brought to you by Dan the Man Ponder over there at Riverman Cigar Company, Crestwood, Missouri. Um I got my Eladino Vintage Selection Lancero from Dan the Man Ponder. I went by there on Thursday and uh, picked up uh, one of them. And, you know, he's got all the Aladinos. He's got all of the uh, uh, selections from Jerry Tobacco, uh, Rancho Luna, and uh, Tadiscan as well. And Dan's getting in a whole bunch of other fun stuff. So you're going to want to make sure you swing by there and uh, check out what he's got in the humidor. And everybody was chilling out front underneath the 1,500 square foot covered patio because it was a gorgeous day on Thursday. So everybody was able to sit outside and smoke and enjoy each other's company. So make sure you swing by Riverman Cigar Company of Crestwood, Missouri today. And if you're not in the St. Louis area, he does do mail order. So you can give him a call and he will get a box shipped out to you right away. That's Riverman Cigar Company, Crestwood, Missouri. And with that, it's time I go ahead and uh, cut my cigar because... Uh, I noticed that you uh, you prematurely cut there. Yeah, I wasn't sure how long that was going to take. Yeah, I get you. And I wanted to get to my I wanted to get to my uh, cold retro hill. <laughs> well, you are really like embracing the gator this episode. I had a feeling that he was going to chicken out of doing the episode, <laughs> and so because uh, let's face it, he doesn't really ask the tough questions, so. I think uh, mm. I, I figured I was going to have to embrace my inner gator, and I'm happy to do it. I mean, it's not like I'm throwing a bunch of hardballs at you or anything. That's true. Yeah. Yet, yet they could 
They could be coming. Possibly. I don't know. I do have one question, but I'm going to have to save until after the show um, ends because, uh, quite honestly, I uh, I don't want to get anybody in trouble, and I don't want to like you know shit on anybody. So I do want to. I do. Have oh, to- now you, you oh. that's that's messed up. You should be asking that. That's no. a, see, that's a good question. Okay, what was the cigar with the short filler on the Cigar Authority the other day? <laughs> I can't tell you. No, <laughs> see, <laughs> now you know. All right, uh, big name, <laughs> big name brand uh, that is starting to get a real serious footprint. And I don't know how that cigar was pitched to us and smoked and not taken apart. And it, I, I think Dave was onto something. I believe that we had taken on uh, four different skews already uh-huh. at the same time. And then we took on this one and we agreed to take on the uh, 60 ring gauge version of it. So it comes in a sort of a long Toro in a, in a six by 60. And then uh, the conversation was about the other brands and that's what we were smoking. And that one was a dark one and Dave kind of put it off and I walked in the office and he goes here, light this up. Tell me what you think. So I lit it up. There was just the one cigar. And like he says, we always take them apart. That's how I have this. Yeah. We always take them apart. And I, I, there was just the one and he said, smoke it. So I smoked it. It held an ash and that's the double binder. So I'm like, I think it's long filled. I mean, you can't tell tell like that. They, the one telltale sign is if the ash keeps falling off, but it just held an ash really well uh, up to an inch. That's how, that's how long I'm going to hold an ash by and large. And then I, then I just dump it. Yeah. So uh, there was no indication that that was, not just short filled. I mean, that was practically chop. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of big pieces was, thrown in, but when I saw him unwrap it and it just fell apart like that, I was like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was a mind blower when he <laughs> sit, when he did it to me, it's like, have you ever taken this apart? I'm like, no, we took it on. Like, what's it? That's just wasting a cigar. You take the cigar run, then you take it apart because you didn't do your due diligence. You're just wasting a cigar at that point. Because uh, when it when, once it gets through the door, there's only two types of cigars: the ones that sell and the ones we're blowing out in March Madness. And that one sells. I just can't believe it's as expensive as it is for what it is. But it, it has a great it has a great flavor. Not very interesting of a cigar. It doesn't have dramatic changes throughout. It just it's one base note all the way through. But it's good. So. Interesting. I'd be I I I really want to know what it is now. I mean, I'll tell you off the air. All right, all you. right, all right. So anyway, so uh, what are you getting on your cold retro? The inside. So you you got walnuts out for Christmas, and and maybe the walnuts <laughs> have been there since last Christmas. And it doesn't matter because they, they, they keep, I mean, it, 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 they're not going to go bad. And, and you, you crack the walnut. If you're like my brother and you're a real man, uh, you get two walnuts and you just you crack them in your hand. No nutcracker. And you take the shell and you smell the inside of the shell. That's the cold retro on this Aladino uh, Habano, the vintage selection. All right. 
these are the flavor notes that I was expecting. I, I, I or not necessarily expecting, but like this is the quality of flavor note that I was expecting. I should say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, we're gonna we're just gonna go with that. We're gonna go with that. So, uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm, I mean, tell me I'm wrong. No, I don't. I don't. I mean, I can't. I'm. I'm. I'm not. This is be the beautiful thing that. about. When I go through such a long story on the, <laughs> the Cigar Authority podcast, and and it's it's addition by subtraction often, so I go down a road, and then I say, okay, now you take all those ingredients and you remove them, yeah. But the the other ingredients have been in close proximity, and somehow through magic, you've been able to remove these. And at the end of the whole story, I've now made it so you have no choice but to taste it because <laughs> your brain is so susceptible to the power of suggestion at that point, you have literally been hypnotized by listening to the show. If you're smoking along with us <laughs> and that's 100% of the secret because people come up and they're like, you have an amazing palate. And really I have a good palate. It's not amazing. What I have is an overactive imagination. <laughs> and that is what causes the accuracy of the flavor notes. It's not, I, I taste what I taste, but I, I can't, I can't differentiate the between Jalapa, Nicaragua, and um, uh, Omotepe I can pull out, but uh, Jalapa and Esteli, I don't real know. Tough. You, you can really taste the Esteli. But the other thing, <laughs> is that, as we learned on the show this week, you take cigars apart and you realize what they put in the, the cell sheet is not accurate. It's yeah. not what's in the, you know, oh, we use a Connecticut broadleaf binder. And it's a brown binder. No, that's not Connecticut Broadleaf. <laughs> true, very true. Um, I uh, I was just sitting here reflecting back. Um, I don't know if we've spoken since the episode that we did, uh, um, where we uh, straight up, you know, really truly imitated you guys. You remember that? Yes, I do. Okay, awesome awesome episode and um jeff had the flavor note i think it was that episode of if you take the bag of lucky charms and you remove out all the cereal and you've just got this bag of marshmallow and you shake it up and you pour out the marshmallow and you take the bag and you put it over your head and you breathe in real deep <laughs> i just i thought that was you know it's that kind of thing very creative yeah. anyway I'm firing up my cigar here, so let's get this going. So, with that being said, it has been a while since you've been on. How the hell are you doing? I'm doing great. I got, uh, I bought a house since the last time we talked. I've heard. And I've been doing project after project, including uh, setting up my own little podcast studio in here. I don't plan on having my own podcast, but... I go on enough shows. Uh, I've been a regular on the Barbecue Central podcast, and that's the guy. I, I used to have to drive in to work. I only live eight minutes from work, but uh, drive into the shop, turn the whole studio on, turn the mics on, get it all set up, and then figure out how to turn it all back to the way it was so I'm not messing up the shows for the next day. Mm -hmm. And the guy was like, you're... Be, I, because I'm not an audio engineer, I'm I'm a disc jockey. So he's like, the last time I did it, I had the mix minus wrong, and there was an echo. 
And he was like, why don't you just go buy this microphone for a hundred dollars? You're going to get the microphone, all the cabling you need, the stand, the suspension rig, everything for a hundred dollars. And you'll sound fantastic. And I was like, I'm down to try it. So we tested it and I've done his show with it. I've done a couple of zoom calls and I just, I'm loving it. No, it works out well. The only thing I would say is you need some sort of like painting of like maybe like a seascape or something like that, like above your, you know, it's a very That's white, a good call. It's a very white space there and everything. It just feels like it just like a nautical, like one of those, you know, many masted ships, you know. I like that. Yeah. I think I have one of those downstairs. I mean, you're up in New England. I assume it's like regulation for every house to have one. Uh, yeah. And I, I, when I bought the house, I had no furniture mm. and uh, I had my bed and maybe uh, I was using an outdoor um, end table set. You know, the glass top yeah. green sides, just the shitty Walmart <laughs> friggin' special. And those are my end tables. And a customer had, they were moving to Florida and said, I have a complete bedroom set and this is the price I'm selling it for. I'll sell it to you for this price. And I was like, done. Wrote a check, sent the movers to pick the stuff up, moved it into my apartment. I hadn't moved yet. I just, I'm doing the paperwork on the house. And then another customer said, I'm downsizing and I'm getting rid of my dining room table, my hutch. And when I was there looking at the stuff, his wife was like, we're getting rid of this bedroom set, complete bedroom set. Uh, and in the other room, the other complete bedroom set, but we're keeping the bed. And I'm like, yeah, I'll send the movers. And at that point, I own the house. So I sent the movers. And now my house is completely furnished. And because the rooms were empty initially, I was able to get them all painted and all done up. And I'm obsessed with white walls, white trim on the ceiling. And I love the brown trim from just the stained wood on the floors and the uh, the doorways. So that's where I'm at right now. Nice. Nice. When I moved in my place, I had no furniture either. I was on an air mattress for about a month and a half. So I get it. When I went through my divorce, my wife had the bed and I didn't have a place to put the bed. So she kept the bed for a little while. She hated the bed and I love it. It's an old person uh, adjustable bed with the Tempur-Pedic mattress. Oh, see. Oh, you get to yeah. zero gravity and it's just a party. <laughs> yeah. No, I lost my bed too, but I have a new bed. And I think it's haunted, but that's neither here nor there. So, I don't know. I'm still, every once in a while, it still shakes in the middle of the night just randomly. Not, uh, from, not from anything fun, but, you know, just I'll just be laying there and all of a sudden, it'll, very slight vibration, you know. I thought it was maybe a train rolling through, but you can hear the trains when they roll through town. And uh, it never syncs up with, with the train coming through town. So, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not uh, gonna say that there's no such thing as being haunted, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, there's none of that going on here. But I will say it That's worked. Good. That building is so old that when you're in the building by yourself at any time, day or night, some freaky shit happens. So <laughs> I hesitate to use the H word, but you know. Some freaky shit going on. Doors closing. Footsteps. See that? Yeah. 
that that's all kinds of not cool. I'm just talking like little minor things. I mean, no, you know, this is little feelings and stuff. You've got legit uh, like this is gangster stuff shit. going on. Okay, yeah, all right, I like it. Uh, and I've swept, I've swept that entire building, top to bottom, gun out, start in the attic, every nook and cranny, and all the way down to the basement. And there is no one in the building. See, Jeff, but I, I heard footsteps. Uh, Nothing on the cameras either, because I get cameras on every floor. Nothing. Nothing. Oh, so there's not even any evidence of, like, you don't have, like, video of doors shutting? Uh, The particular doors that shut are not on camera. Oh, so the ghost knows. Yeah, these are some crafty-ass ghosts. Uh, Okay. Yeah. You're going to have to, yeah, well. Like, how would a ghost learn about technology? <laughs> how would a ghost understand that that bubble in the corner is a camera and they've got to stay off? This is why I don't say things are haunted, because if the ghost died in the 1800s in that building and decided that's the building it's going to haunt. You wouldn't know. Yeah. I mean, you would have to imagine the ghost died with the knowledge of the technology of the day. So well, they would know an abacus. Um and maybe that the wheel exists, but everything else. True. I, I mean, unless you're perpetually learning in, in the, the aftermath of your life. That does bring up the interesting question of can ghosts learn? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Be and are they behaving as ghosts? Because when they were alive, that's what everybody said ghosts did. And so now they're just like, well, I'm a ghost. So this is what I have to do. Why can't they be? Why can't they be helpful? I get it. You close the door because you don't want the the heat to escape. That'd be awesome. That would be helpful. Do it to all the doors and make sure it happens on camera so I know you're there. Yeah. I, I I'd like to know how to tip a ghost that's being helpful. I don't know if they have use for money. They just kind of come well, in and it, do stuff. The tip the tip could be for. Um, in, in something else, you know, give them uh, some bat's brains or something to eat. And <laughs> bat's brains. I don't know what ghosts eat. <laughs> I don't know. You know what's, ghosts, a, what's a ghost delicacy? I don't know if ghosts do eat, but, you know, they'd have to worry about what is it? The, the not the tannins. The um, What's the thing you're always worried about with your food? Lectins. Lectins. They'd have to worry about the lectins in the ghost brain or uh, bat brains. Something to that. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, anyway, I don't even know where to go here. Um, so, when, when you and I were setting this up, we wanted to talk a little bit about some uh, uh, Cigar 101 and some lighter maintenance, which it's really kind of shitty that Jeff isn't here because, to be honest, if anybody needs a lesson in lighter maintenance... It's Jeff because I'm over at his place and, you know, on his back table on his deck, he probably has, I don't know, six or seven different lighters that are all sitting there in no state of repair. I mean, they're just none of them are working for him and he just uses them until they die. And then he just kind of sets them aside and goes on to the next one. And, you know, he's just got this like growing collection of dead lighters. Yeah, any of your listeners that have dead lighters, I'm going to show you the tricks right now on how to bring your lighters back to life. Uh, so I have a dead lighter right here. I can see there's fuel in the tank. Yep. 
and it, the flame is going, it's kind of igniting and then going out. If I shake it, maybe I'll get a little more pressure. Not really. Yeah. So the, the first level of diagnosis is, do you have spark? And when you look at the igniter, if the spark is sparking down to the jets, that's good. If it's sparking to a jet that's dead, that's not good. So, and and listen, these these three burner lighters, the, the the by Vertigo, they don't last forever. It's Cyclone; they last a long time. This one's been through the washer and dryer a bunch of times, uh, and it still fires up. But eventually, one of the jets is going to go. Yeah, and I can still use the lighter by moving the sparker. So. The only tool you need to work on lighters, uh, there's a couple of companies that put them out. The one I like is the Zycar bleed tool. On one end, you have your, oh, this thing's really on there. You have your bleed valve thingy. And on the other end, you have a reversible precision screwdriver and uh, for Phillips and for flathead. Okay. So with the flathead side, if this, igniter was arcing to the housing of the lighter that's called back sparking i would just bend that igniter down a little bit and that happens to all lighters eventually you're going to get to a back sparking situation because the the piezo igniter is in the flame and as it heats up it starts to bend away it's just natural the way uh metallurgy works so you give that just a little push down to a jet that you know works uh and now the other thing i'm going to show you here is in most cases, as you get to this position where my fuel is less than 50%, my fuel adjuster needs to be turned up because I need more fuel coming out than air as back pressure. And there we go. I got my my three jets igniting. Look at that. Now, this is uh, for anybody watching the video. I know most of your listeners consume this based on a podcast. Yeah. But, uh, so... I got my can of butane upside down. I didn't shake it. Uh, you make sure that your butane has a seal in the lid rather than a seam down the side. The ones that are seamed down the side, those you can use for your uh, welding tools, uh, you know, your uh, soldering tools and all that, uh, or soft flame lighters. But the jets are milled too fine on a regular jet lighter to use junk fuel. So seam in the, si- in the end. And you could see that as I'm trying to fill this, it's only taking so much fuel. I've got an awful lot of space in the top of this lighter. Yeah. So this is where the bleed tool comes in. And this is why it's important. Just like before, when I had 50% fuel and 50% air and my lighter wasn't working, you could see the flame wanted to ignite, but I had too much air coming out of the jets, not enough butane. So to make that so that never happens, you let the butane out with the lighter upside down, just press your bleed tool right down on the, the fill tube until it slows down and now this should fill right to the top and it does so now i have a filled lighter that sparks and it works it's better than ever beautiful Uh, if you are someone who lights their cigar from underneath you are going to develop carbon on the the jets and they're not going to work as well so you get an old toothbrush flip the lighter upside down uh, engage the igniter, blow the flame out, and then with the gas blowing, just use your toothbrush and brush those jets out. That'll clean them, and it'll give you a little more life to your to your lighter. Now, okay, um, what about, 
I had somebody tell me one time that to clean out the jets, you could take that can of butane, almost like compressed air, and like, you know, clean it out with the butane. Well, that's a good way to set yourself on fire. That's what it seemed like to me, but, you know, I just... It's so it. dangerous. You're you're better off if you are really going after those jets and you really want to clean it. Uh, if it's a, a $10, $13 lighter like this, throw it away. Yeah. Go buy another one. Uh, they're, they're certainly cheap enough. Um, it, but if it's a more expensive lighter and you want to go after those jets and clean them, get a Q-tip and some rubbing alcohol and swab the inside where those jets are, engaging the gas. And, and you can... On most lighters, before the, you can hear that. Yeah. Before the igniter goes off, I can engage that gas. And so you just you kick that gas on a little bit to blow the uh, alcohol out. And then this is the most important part of the trick. Get another lighter. And without turning your lighter on, just brush the flame from the other lighter over the jets to burn off any of the alcohol. Because again, I don't know what happens when butane and alcohol mixes. I've never tested that. I don't want to <laughs> test it. The, the, there's fire coming out of something in my hand. I'd like to not have it be a bomb. So I don't, I just, I'll test a lot of stuff with cigars, but I ain't testing what mixes well with butane for combustion. We'll leave that up to Gator. Yeah, that's, that's up his alley. I mean, dude, he had this one lighter and I don't even remember what kind of lighter it was, but, um, it got to the point where I think it, it was it was as you were saying one of the jets. It wasn't the spark was there, but it wasn't igniting. And so what he would do is he would take. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not making this up. He would take lighter fluid. It was like a can or a bottle, one of the yellow bottles of. Um, I guess it was like Zippo fluid, not even like butane. And he would like fill the like top part. And he would ignite it, and the spark would ignite that fluid, and he would use that. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, Zippo fluid is a great solvent, but it leaves a residue forever. It's just tough to get off, whereas rubbing alcohol, most of, most of it evaporates at room temperature. Uh, the other little trick, as lighters break in, you'll find that the adjustment, you can't turn them up enough. Yeah. And so on the bottom and on your bleed tool, you've got a, a straight edge screwdriver. There's typically a little uh, access hole or access port to get to the governor on the lighter. So you could pry the adjuster off, give yourself a quarter of a turn backwards and then reinstall it. And then now you can turn the lighter up a little higher. Oh, no, that's, that's a good tip. That's only if you are, you've done all of your due diligence. You've bled the lighter, you're clicking it and, and it, you see the flame is, is sputtering a little, but it's working. All the jets are working. Everything about it's working. Give yourself an eighth to a quarter turn. No more than that on the, uh, the governor. And then you can turn it up a little more, but be very careful. Don't just pin it and then try to light it. Cause you could, you know, you got a bomb in your hands. Yeah. All right. Well, my listeners ought to be careful because if they're even half as ignorant as I suspect some of them are for even just listening to this show, they probably shouldn't be playing too much with their lighters in that regard. But, you know, hey, guys, do it with caution. That's all I say.
That's it. <laughs> there you go. So, what are you? Uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, Aladino vintage? I, you've been talking. I don't know how much you've been actually able to smoke and enjoy it. But uh, well, I was smoking a Corojo Reserve just prior while I was waiting for my internet to come back online. Uh, so there are some similar base notes, uh, slightly lower primings. You're definitely picking up some of the Corojo, but the the Habano wrapper tends to give a nuttier and slightly sweeter addition to that Corojo spice. So it is there is some spice there, but most of the flavor, I would say, is along the lines of uh, sweet nut type taste and uh, and a little less on the spice. Okay. Maybe maybe a walnut. If you peel the skin off the walnut <laughs> and you just you're just eating the meat. But you wouldn't go so far as to say like, you know, sweet raisins or anything like that. <laughs> Dehydrate uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna start saying dehydrated grapes. There you go. That see now that could work. That's an appropriate but still dehydrated grapes and let's see what Ed Sullivan <laughs> can do with that. He'll probably still play the drop. He probably will still play the drop. Yeah. <laughs> I had to. I just that was the one I didn't get in with Dave the other week. Um I managed to get in the uh butter on the pop tart and uh was there Yeah, one that's his one? favorite drop. Yeah. But the I raisin toast is his favorite drop. Now, okay. You guys did the 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 um the trivia, and I don't, and I maybe I missed it. That was one of the questions. Who sang, you know, raisins in my toast? And I missed the answer. You guys he like gave it. It was John something. <coughs> See, I thought it was the Waffle House players or Waffle House singers because when I found it, it was like the Waffle House like band. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but I remember seeing the name John something on the paper mm. and that was the answer that we accepted from the, the chat room. Okay. I, I, I could be, I could be confused. There were 20 questions and I wasn't given the questions in advance. I, I, so, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know. Cause like I said, I knew it as the waffle house. And then when he said that it was one, that it was a guy, I was like, well, wait a minute. I thought it was this waffle house band, but you know, Whatever. You should definitely start a campaign to get him to uh, voice a retraction. We could do that. You know what? We ought to start the answer wrong. We ought to start that here because that's see, that's where I found that was on, you know, to the Googles right now. Um, I I found it on um, YouTube. I think that's where he got it. And there's probably more than one, uh, one person that has the video. I guess. Oh, is it Danny Jones? There are raisins in my toast by Danny Jones. That would make sense because I saw the word. I saw the name John. So Jones, John. It was on the album Waffle House Jukebox Favorites, Volume 1. So, okay. So maybe, maybe I'm getting mixed up with the, with the album. And uh, so no, uh, no retraction from Dave now. I mean, not if, not if he actually had Danny Jones down. But all right, well, I tried to catch him and I I failed. But 
Um, anyway, so all right, let's uh, let's let's move on to some other other topics here. So, um, sorry, I've got U-Hauls going down my street at whatever time in the morning. Um, so we uh, we've been in a cigar boom and. It's been it's been going really well. Now Dave said the other day on the show, and I'm you know going to put you on the spot, even though he said it that he feels as though the cigar boom is over. Um, do you agree with that? And you know, kind of what evidence do you point to for that? And um, I, I have a follow up yeah. direction that I want to go with that. But. So I I do agree with him, and I do the analytics on sales because we had a down month last month. We had an up quarter, barely. I mean, we sold our souls to the devil to get uh, the last sales in on the last day of the quarter. Uh, then we did okay the next month, and this past month, I took a bath. I mean, I was off twenty grand, and. So I got to, I have to, as the manager of that store, do a deep dive and see, all right, is everybody down? Meaning all the salespeople? Yeah. Are they all down? Are they all down the same percentage? Are they selling the right product mix? Because uh, if you have a guy that walks in with Atabay and Byron money and you sell him Dos Ombre cigars, you've left an awful lot on the table. Yeah. So if a guy has, Atabay palette and Atabay money, that dude should be buying Atabay and the salespeople need to be asking the right questions and, and building this rapport with their customer. And that's something that the data will show me. So in looking at the data, the three main matrix matrix that were off, average ring was down, average number of units was down, and average dollar per unit was down. So if any one of those matrix wasn't down, I'd be looking deeper into my staff and saying, okay, who's, who's not getting it done in here. But when all three are down, you have a customer issue. Mm. So the customer is spending their money. I just filled up this morning. It was $5 and 60 cents a gallon to fill up my car. I didn't even really need the gas, but I'm afraid the gas is just going to keep going up. So I'm filling up when I, no, that's when va- I can. That's valid. I mean, you know, here in the People's Republic of Illinois, um, it's five twenty nine in a lot of places. I know when you get up to Chicago, um, it's probably a solid thirty cents more than Southern Illinois. So you know, no, I, I, and I completely get it. I mean, you know, I go over to Riverman quite a bit, but I think I may have pointed out on here before. Riverman's about forty five minutes from my place, so. You know, my trips over to see Dan have been significantly less as the uh, gas prices increase, even though I can jump the river, go to Missouri and get gas for as much as 60 to 70 cents cheaper a gallon than Illinois. Wow. So well, that's what happens when you have, you know, uh, a bunch of Chicago Democrats running your state that, you know, you'd have uh, significantly higher gas prices. But that's neither here nor there. But anyway, so yeah, no, I get it. I mean, gas prices are definitely hurting. So you're you're attributing some of the slow or the slowdown of the smoking to the gas prices, then? Uh, gas prices, food prices, the cost of everything is up. Shipping. Yeah. Um, so 
streaming services. Uh, it's just it, the list goes on and on. So I know for myself, I want to maintain my same lifestyle. And in order to do that, I have to cut out the stuff. You know, if I'm not, if I'm watching Hulu once a month, I don't need to be paying for it. For sure. Cut it out because that's $10 that I can spend on cigars and I don't want to, I don't want to lose my cigars. So uh, I found a, a less expensive uh, whiskey that I like that uh, I actually, I, I really like it. Um, Glenn Murray, by the way, fantastic scotch okay. uh, for twenty four ninety nine. Just get the regular one. Don't even get the aged one. This is, it's the bottom of the barrel as far as the price goes. And it is as good as a $95 bottle of Habiki Japanese whiskey. I've had them side by side from the same receptacle. So there's places in my life where I'm looking to find things that are less expensive so that I can maintain my lifestyle, but cigars are not addictive. So people just stop smoking. Yeah. That's the thing they give up. Oh, I only smoke one cigar a week. I don't have to smoke the one cigar a week. What I have to do is buy groceries. So I think that's where we're at right now. So then that leads to my other question, and it's something that Dave and I talked about, but Dan and I have talked a lot about this, and I I feel like there's, I don't know, I I don't know. Okay, so so the European market for cigar, not not even just the European market, you know, the Middle East, uh, Asia to an extent, um... You know, you see a lot of these cigar manufacturers going overseas and exploring new territories. You've got press releases coming out constantly uh, about this brand, this brand, and this brand uh, getting up with this importer, this distributor, and all this and everything over overseas. It seems like the New World Cigar community has definitely embraced this idea of expanding further and further into the overseas market. Now, I understand that, you know, with Cuban cigars, they always were the prevalent cigar, you know, in a lot of these places. And with China, you know, supplies are way, way down. Prices are way, way up. So, you know, they're going to be open to the idea, perhaps, of some of these other, you know, brands that we all have known for a while jumping over and coming to their area. But it seems like the, the, the push is really, really ramped up. And I guess, what are your thoughts on that? And I have a follow-up question regarding um, supply. So I think we had a manufacturer that missed our uh, annual dinner Well, one year. They said they were in, everything was all set. And then they realized that the Dortmund, Germany trade show was happening at the same time. And they opted to go to the Dortmund trade show to help set up the booth rather than come to the anniversary party. No big deal. Uh, business is business. After doing the trade show, they said, we'll never miss another anniversary party again because the entire country of Germany doesn't spend as much on this brand as Two Guys Smoke Shop does. <laughs> So when you talk about the world market, you're talking about 
maybe a little more. Let's let's say 30%. 30% of the entire world cigar smoking market. It's such a blip on the radar. Now, being that it's such a small thing, uh, for I was just having this conversation with a customer. Two Guys Smoke Shop exists in Salem, New Hampshire, Nashua, New Hampshire, and in Seabrook, New Hampshire. And coincidentally, for 30 miles around all those stores, there's all these cigar smokers. Now, I don't think that anybody moved to the area to be close to Two Guys Smoke Shop. So Two Guys Smoke Shop, because we sell only cigars, we're a specialty shop, everybody that drives by becomes curious about cigars and then they try cigars. So there is a certain bit of being a center of influence. Not only that, other cigar stores can survive in the state of New Hampshire because we're here and we're driving people in from Massachusetts uh, over taxes. So the same thing is going to happen in countries like Germany, where you have a cigar store that's open and they're able to sell new world cigars. And if that's all they're selling, people are going to be curious and they're going to create new smokers and they're going to convert old smokers to those products. I just, I'm not sure right now that the juice is worth the squeeze in going into too many countries over there. Really? Because there's a couple of, go ahead. There's, there's a couple of distributors that handle larger territories. So if you can get in with that distributor, then you can cover a few countries, but their taxes are worse over there than they are here. It, it, yeah. They don't want, they don't want smoking. So uh, it, it, it's, it, it, I just don't think that the world market is going to pay off too much because you also have you have monsters. You got Davidoff. Yeah. They're no, that's valid. Twelve percent of the of the market, everywhere else. That's valid. There's um, there's at least one manufacturer that I'm thinking of right off the top of my head, and um, I won't name him, but he has spent what seems like just an absorbent amount of time overseas in the Middle East setting things up. And to the point that, like, you almost have to wonder, like, what what his plan is in that regard. And at the same time, you know, since I'm not naming him, I'm just going to say it. Um, I know from anecdotal conversation with retailers around my area, they're struggling to get that product in their store. They'll place an order for however many boxes, you know, they get the fraction that they that they order and everything like that. Things have been back order forever. Uh Dan just got an order not too terribly long ago from this uh manufacturer that he placed in November of twenty twenty and he got that stuff in. And so it's kind of one of those I guess whether it's true or not, maybe it's creating some of the perception of are you opening up new markets to the ex- to the detriment of your current customer base? There doesn't seem to be the same barrier to entry in getting new front marks into, we'll just say Germany, for example. And so because, so Cuba for the longest time believed that 40 to 60% of their cigars made it to the US, even though they were going to Spain and being distributed through that hub, that they made it here. So there is something to be said for getting yourself into uh, some sort of distribution deal with somebody that services a few countries 
and having exclusives for those countries because in the same way when you tell an American you can't have a Cuban, they go and seek them. Yeah. You say to an American, you can't have this. This is just for Germany. That's all we're releasing it to. And then 50 to 60% of those cigars end up back in the United States because you see them on Instagram and you see them on Facebook. Oh, look at what I have. Uh, they pay the extra shipping, whatever. The cigar is probably more expensive. I, it's an interesting ad campaign is what it looks like to me okay. to be putting out press releases that this is a, this is the German exclusive. There's there and there's little evidence that cigar manufacturers are making all of these different blends. The evidence shows, and this is me smoking. This is not having a conversation with anybody, but the evidence shows that manufacturers by and large make about five different blends. And with those five blends, they can change the shape and change the hue of the outside wrapper. Oh, uh, you know, for this one, it's the Ecuadorian shade dark and that becomes something and it's the same blend. And oh, this one becomes the $30 double Corona, blah, blah, blah. And it's the same damn cigar. Just, all right, we can't use the dark ones in this line because this line looks like this. And so it becomes something else. So it looks to me like there's an awful lot of, it's like much ado about nothing. There's a, a lot of hype about, oh, this is new. This is new. This is new. Yeah. The band is new. The fillet is new. The box is new, but the cigar is the same damn cigar. Interesting. Well, no, cause that's that it, the, the whole European expansion thing that just, it it's, like I said, it's been a constant concert, uh, conversation uh, with me and Dan and a couple other folks, and we just, you know, like getting perspectives on it because uh, there's also I've heard uh, a couple of people say that you've got to order a different, you've got to change how you order differently. So when you get an email from the rep that says uh, X cigar is in stock. And you know you can go through 12 boxes in a quarter and you're only seeing that cigar available every six months. Well, you should buy 24 boxes because now you'll have, you'll be able to make it to the next order cycle. And so that's one way of looking at it. That's not how I like to order. I like to be able to just call up and say, send me 12 boxes. For sure. That's and that's how most cigar stores operate. Uh, so I'm not going to say anybody's right or wrong, but there's there's always another there's always a story on the other side. So the maybe the manufacturer just uses their resources to do and, and I I'm going to say actually say this because they've said it. LFD makes one cigar at a time. Okay. If they're doing the DL Oscuro uh, series that tobacco comes out of the vault and this is what everybody's making today. And then when they hit the production, those go into the aging room to dissipate the ammonia. And the next day, the tobacco is out to make diggers. Yeah. You know, that whole series, regular Lajero or double Lajero. So they don't, so they, I they go through their series day by day of what they need. And then whatever the cycle is, they repeat that cycle when they get to the top of the order. So that's why you see shortages of LFD 
because there's just, it's not time to make that cigar right now. Interesting. And I mean, not to put them on the spot or anything like that, but like, is that due to space and limitations of uh, number of rollers or what? I think that I think they don't have as many rollers as uh, they could, they could certainly use, but the entire country of Dominican Republic right now is just there. There aren't rollers. Mm. They've, they started a school. uh, So they're, they're addressing the issue kind of from the ground up, but, uh, with the pandemic and everything being shut down, people got other jobs that they could do through the pandemic. Yeah. Cause the Dominicans are a very hardworking people from a cultural standpoint. They don't mind doing the work as long as you pay them. So if they're not getting paid to go roll cigars and they find a, a job that's better, they're going to go do that. They're going to go do it. Yeah. Have you tried those roller school cigars? No. Um, you're, you're aware that they came out with the cigars from it. Uh, no, I'm not aware of that. Yeah. Dan over at Riverman, he ordered a bunch of them. So what it is, is it's the, the class of 2021 roller school cigars. They're, they're, uh, five by, oh, they're little guy. They're like little double Coronas. Um, and, uh, they, uh, they come in a bundle. It's, uh, Connecticut, Sumatra, and Habano, and they're long filler. They're just they're the cigars that their roller school people were making. Yes, and they all right. Put them in the little. I bundles. did. I did smoke those. Yeah. I just I forgot that I had had the conversation with uh, with Carney, uh, and those came out uh, around the last time I saw him. He was doing some cooking project with us. Yeah, and he had them, and I think we passed. I mean, they're not bad for what they are. Um, you know, they're, they're decent. It's little... an interesting way to make a dollar though, because well, yeah, cause... you already, you grew the tobacco, you fermented the tobacco, you made cigars. What the fuck are you going to do with it? Yeah. All right, well, let's sell it. Cause let's... that's what we do. We sell cigars. So put them in a bundle. It doesn't have to be flashy and you give everybody the warning. The, you know, these guys are learning, uh, and you, you charge the appropriate price for it. That's exactly it. And, uh, you know, you've got people that, uh, like LFD. <laughs> oh my gosh! Excuse me. Bless that was, you. Uh, thank you. Um, you've got people that like LFD. That um, you know now it's an opportunity for them to get. It, admittedly, maybe not the same level of quality as um, you know the core lines and everything like that, but they can get an LFD cigar at a you know five dollars or less price point. But anyway, no, I didn't know you. You mentioned the roller school. I didn't know if you had those cigars. Yeah, I just that. i had i had forgotten that I had. So I wanted to circle back. You were talking about sales at at two guys and everything, and um, admittedly, I've never been to your shop. I am coming up for the uh, anniversary uh, awesome. party this year. Um, I've got to get my flight and hotel and all that figured out, but. Um, I'll be uh, sticking around that week. I'll be coming in, uh, hopefully, the way my plan, in my mind at least, works out, is I'll be coming up that Tuesday evening, because your party's on Wednesday, Mm -hmm. and then um, sticking around through either Saturday night or Sunday morning so that I can catch your show. Nice. Um, But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how you guys run the shop, because I've been told that you guys have a very hands-on approach with the sales. 
that, you know, you have, you know, staff working the sales floor, working with individuals that are coming in and everything like that. And it's not necessarily one of those shops where, um, at least shops maybe that we have here, well, I would suspect probably shops, probably the majority of the country, where, you know, there's somebody working and it's like, there's the humidor and you just kind of go in and browse around on your own and pick out your own stuff and whatever else. It seems like you guys do a much more hands-on approach. Would you be able to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. When I, when I hire somebody to work in the store, uh, there's two jobs available. There's minimum wage and then there's living wage. And the living the minimum wage is your cashier. You stand by at the register and you just ring. You don't have to know about cigars. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to interact, but that's minimum wage. Okay. Then there's living wage and everybody that works for me can buy a house. They can, you know, that I'm not saying they're going to live their best life. But I mean, they, they work for a, a re, in retail, but uh, they can afford to live. And that is a salesperson. That's somebody who is going to learn about the product diligently ask questions, get as much information as they can and do the very best they can to pass that education on to the consumer because the number of times that somebody walks in and says, uh, you know, I smoke brand X, I smoke Romeo and Julieta, and uh, we just smoked Studio 21 that came out. They're both Dominican cigars. They both uh, use an Ecuadorian dark. And I can't say who makes Studio 21, but it's, high end and they're both around the same price. If that person that is smoking this legacy brand that has seen its day, isn't shown something that is the same price, but way better. We're doing that person a disservice. So yes, we are hands-on. We we're more interested in educating the people that want to be educated. If the guy says, no, thanks. I'm just looking. We leave him alone. Okay. If you don't want if you don't want to have the conversation, there's no high pressure. We we, we don't we don't have to talk to you. We'll, we'll talk to the next guy. But the it's just funny to me the number of times that somebody comes in and they they think they're being a pain in the ass because they're asking all these questions. And I love it. I jump in. I'm answering the questions, and they come back and they come back, and then I'll say something like, you know, you seem like you're into this. You should check out the podcast. And then they check out the podcast and their eyes open. And now they can't get enough of what's new, what's good. And they start asking the right questions. That that journey, that little seeing that person grow in the business from just smoking what they see in ads to being able to identify that they like Corojo tobacco uh, is friggin' awesome. That's what we, and, and that it's not just me as the manager. It's not just Dave as the owner. That's Trevor, my assistant. That's uh, Michael, uh, my new guy. They just get jazzed up when somebody makes the transition from not really knowing what it is that they're doing to being an intelligent consumer. Now, when I spoke to Dave at TPE, he was saying that you guys were having a lot of staffing issues and, you know, people coming and going and everything like that. Is that still an ongoing issue for you guys? Uh, yes and no. I, I could use an, I could use one more sales guy, but uh, we're, we're making do with what we have. 
Uh, I just had to go and work yesterday. My first, I, I scheduled myself for the summer with two days off in a row so I can attack some big projects on the house. And I got called on Saturday night at nine o'clock. Someone got into a little fender bender. They hurt their neck. They can't come to work the next day. And I'm the last guy. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm also the next guy. There's no other, there's no, there's no bench. So that was the guy scheduled to work that day. Everybody else in the other stores is working. All right. I'm coming in. Gotcha. Well, I know staffing's an issue across the board for a lot of places, but I didn't know if uh, maybe that had gotten a little little smoother for you guys. It's not. better. It's better than when he was on the show with you before. Yeah. Uh, at that point, it was Trevor and I, and I had one part-timer, so we were working between the two of us every hour of every shift for 45 days. Now, um, you guys do close at 6 o'clock, correct? Yep. So that all right um i'm formulating my question as i go here so with you guys closing at six um that's kind of an interesting thing for me at least living in the midwest because a lot of my shops here you know they stay open till maybe around nine and they capture that after work you know sitting and watching the game kind of crowd and everything um do you guys not see that as like i get is that not a thing in your area so or i did is that i did the hard math on this and we had done a clubhouse call i don't think we ever transitioned the clubhouse call to the after show so this data may not have made it onto the actual show okay uh so i ran the numbers because i had a pain in the ass customer breaking first trevor's balls and breaking my balls about um whatever the policy was in the lounge they didn't like it and their statement was we, meaning the people in the lounge, spend a lot of money. And so we should have a say. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go run the numbers. I ran the numbers and I just picked just the regular guys that I see five times a week or more. Mm -hmm. They don't add up to 1% of 1% of my business. If I add them all up and there's, there's two legitimate whales in that group that spend in excess of $10,000 each. Okay. They don't add up to 1% of 1% of the business coming out of that building. And what I said to him when it, you know, cause he was, I didn't say anything at first. I didn't go back running back to him with the data. I waited till he asked me again. And I said, the next guy that walks in the very next guy that walks in, is going to spend more and leave than the entire lounge is going to spend all day. And the next guy that walked in spent $178 and the ring out for everybody's singles came out to $70. So that's the, when we're looking at the information, so I need to have happy staff. I need them to be able to raise a family and be part of their kids' lives. And so if I'm open from 10 to six, and I give them an eight-hour window to work, they realistically, uh, I mean, I get up early, so I have four hours before work and four hours after work. I got another eight hours that I can do stuff, mm -hmm. whether it's go hang out with my girlfriend or go to her kid's soccer game or put a pocket door in the bathroom. Whatever it is that I want to do, I have the time to do it. And we used to be open till eight o'clock on Thursdays and Fridays. And morale was so low for the guys that drew that day and you didn't want to you didn't want to make somebody work 
both of them. So you'd give them one of the days off the Thursday or the Friday so that you didn't have two 10 hour days in a row as a killer. Mm-hmm. Now everything is till six and on Sundays till four and what a difference in morale. And it hasn't changed. If anything, the sales have gone up. Interesting. Well, and that's something else that, you know, I've had some conversations with retailers about, which is, you know, kind of the, the, I, I'm just gonna be blunt, the value of the lounge customers and you're, you know, I find your numbers to be both interesting and at the same time, not really surprising because, you know, there are, I've noticed a lot of customers at various shops, they'll buy the seven by seventies and they'll sit there for three hours. hours. Yeah. Yeah. Three hours on one cigar. And when you break it down, you know, let's say it's a $9 cigar, you know, now their, their, their value to you as the shop is $3 an hour. And they're taking up lounge space. You know, you're having to have the employee there for those those three hours. And if you're paying your people, you know, a decent wage, you know, that adds up really quickly. And then on top of that, um, you've got to have them cleaning out the ashtrays and, you know, the power and the lights are on and everything. I mean, you and, know. And that ends up being the guy that's the most vocal about what he doesn't like. Then there's that, too. So... The guy that spends 12000 a year, he comes in, he gets his box, he leaves. He comes in next week, he gets his box, and he leaves. And we get to know their names and maybe show them another cigar. But by and large, the grab-and-go guy, I don't hear about. I don't like that there's a key to get into the bathroom. He doesn't know that there's a key. He's never used the bathroom. Yeah. He, he parks in the 20-minute spot. That's another pet peeve of mine. He parks in the 20-minute spot. He's there for six minutes, and he leaves, and now that spot can generate more income for later. And the lounge guys are – they're not all like this, but the, the ones that I have to deal with because I'm the manager, the, the more vocal ones, uh, will try to get away with parking in the 20-minute spot for three hours and then give me a hard time when I go to him and I go, the 20-minute spot's a 20-minute spot, man. I don't want to have your car towed, yeah. but – Please do not mistake my kindness for weakness because I got the tow company on speed dial. Put the car in the side lot where the lounge parking is and let the grab and go guys do their thing because they're paying for everything. That's that's the customer. So the, that- the guy coming into the lounge, I love having them and we get great conversations. But I mean, believe it or not, I had to turn off the news. I have a oh, child. That doesn't that doesn't news surprise stations. me. Because the 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 conversation devalue de- uh, de- devolved went down devolved thank you yeah it devolved so bad that people on both sides of the aisle were like what the fuck can we do to stop talking about politics because I'm sick of talking about politics uh-huh. and I said I I got the answer child locks <laughs> no that doesn't surprise me because. You know, there are various topics and politics being one of them, man, it can ruin that lounge atmosphere real quick. Ruins it. Real quick. What? Um, I mean, talk about the, the Red Sox, Yankees, all you want and how much you hate the Yankees. Good. And, and and someone else likes the Yankees. And for some reason, sports rivalries tend to be all in good fun. Yeah. And then all it takes is one jackass to say, Donald Trump was the greatest president in the history of president. And then <laughs> it's over. And it goes to hell. Yep. It goes right to hell. <laughs> well, 
Well, and I don't know. And as somebody who used to work in politics, I sit back and I think, you know, it didn't it didn't used to be that way. We we've I don't know. It's it's uh I've definitely seen I've definitely seen it slide a lot over the years. And I'm not and I wouldn't take it all the way back to just Donald Trump. I mean, I could make a solid argument that you could start the decline of political discourse in this country. I could make a solid argument that you could go back to um, Bill Clinton, but you could realistically go back even further. But but I think it was the impeachment of Bill Clinton that really started things down that road. And it was gradual, you know, the second term of W. Bush. I think that you saw a lot of ignorance coming out in the second term of W. Bush. Um, things got really wacky under Obama. Things got even more wacky under Donald Trump. And now here we are. So, yeah, I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly easy to point to any president and say, okay, this is where, yeah. this is where the the fire was kindled, or this is where the flames were waved and blown on. Uh, really, I think in the lounge, what we should be talking about is what's smoking good and what, what the game, what, you know, the game that was on last night, how we thought everybody played. Cause you could, you can have a real conversation with somebody or talk about people's jobs and you know, what they like, what they don't like. Uh, we, I mean, we should just stop talking. When Ronald Reagan was president by and large, you didn't know who voted for him. Yeah. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't polite to talk about it. Yeah. And now it's still not polite to talk about it, but for some reason, Everybody the does. gloves are off. I know. I know. Trust me. I mean. And back then you were an American who voted a certain way. Now you are a Republican who votes a certain way, or you're a Democrat that votes a certain way, or in my case, a Libertarian. And no one is saying I'm an American and I vote Libertarian. That's yeah. what we need to start. That's what needs to come back is everybody needs to be American first. Cut the shit with all this party bullshit. Yeah. The tribe. I forgot to ask you, am I allowed to swear on the show? Feel free. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. I have been, but I just, you, and you didn't, you, I didn't see any wincing on your face, but I should have. No. I should, I no, 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 no. Well, you pressed. Your I cord. mean, look, it's one of those things where I kind of like chalk it up to, um, it's, it's the same thing I've got going on in YouTube lately. Um, I mean, obviously, you guys are well aware that YouTube's been, you know, cracking down hard on the cigar people and everything like that. And uh, one of the things that I started doing, I always marked my videos not for kids, but I started marking them um, not appropriate for anyone under 18, which requires you as a YouTube viewer to log in to YouTube to view it because you have to do the age verification and everything like that, right? Right. Um, so some folks have reached out to me and they're like, you know, they show the, you know, the black screen that says you have to log in <clears throat> and, um, you know, like, what's up with this? I'm like, you just got to log in, then you can watch it. And I think on the cigar side, I think what's been happening is I think a lot of cigar folks have just been uploading their videos and they haven't been doing the appropriate measures to mark them safe for certain or not safe, I should say, for certain audiences and I think that's partly what YouTube's been using to crack down on some of these guys about, you know, it's not safe for kids to be watching this. My thing is, nobody under 21 can buy a cigar these days anyway. 
So why do I care if I mark my video not safe for someone under 18 and you have to log in to view it because you can't buy the product I'm talking about anyway. So why do I care if you can watch it, you know? So absolutely in that regard, I don't care if you swear because we're all adults and, you know, little colorful language every once in a while doesn't, we all use it. So whatever. Yeah. So that's just how I talk. Exactly. Mm. So I'm down to the final third on uh, my uh, Aladino uh, vintage selection Lancero here. And that brings me to uh, the point where why don't we go ahead and hear the final third Friday segment from Broccoli Rob and Isaiah out there in Indianapolis. It's time for Final Third Friday with my man, Broccoli Rob. Welcome back to Final Third Fridays. I am Isaiah. And I'm Rob here at Final Third Cigar and Whiskey Lounge. And we are pairing the 1502 Black Gold with the Copper and Kings Butchertown Brandy. Sitting at 124 proof, and it's just, it's an amazing brandy. It is. A buddy of mine here in town, actually, Scott DeShong, is the one that introduced me to that, and we love it. Yeah, we it's, do. It's the bourbon lover's brandy, I think. It is. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, as, we, um, as we're in, into the cigar, into the first third right now, and, you know, when we first started out with the cigar, the aroma on the foot was barnyard. Yeah. The cold draw, for me, was dark chocolates and prunes. Yeah, I said more along the lines of raisins and figs and dark chocolate. Yeah, which makes sense. Just kind of those dried fruit things. Yeah. And then as we got into the the brandy, you know, the nose on this thing is just like a like a peach syrup. Yeah, like like a peach. real thick peach syrup. Yeah, like canned peaches. And this uh, is not a peach brandy. Which, no, it's that's great. What's so interesting about this. But yeah, as we you know, as we started sipping on this um, this whiskey, it just that peach note continues. A little bit of heat when you first start. I mean, it's 124 proof, yeah. and then um, you got get into some more creaminess in there. And as we transitioned, it turned into a really nice pairing. Yeah. So in the first third of the cigar, you're getting those uh, black pepper notes, a lot of earthiness. Uh, I would say like an oversteep black tea note in there. Yeah. Um, and then on the retrohale is black pepper and something that I would associate as like mesquite smoke. Like, yeah. like you're at a you're at somebody's house and they're and they're smoking Barbecuing. something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when you combine it like smoke to sip, it is peach tea with black pepper. And I even get a little bit of caramel yeah. in that too with that. And that may just be the sweet tea portion of it, but I'm getting caramel as well on that on the smoke to sip. Totally. Now, when you go backwards, basically the sweetness pops up, um, and that's going from your from your from your sip to smoke. The sweetness of the cigar comes out more. You get more of the. I mean, you're still getting pepper because it's it's just a nice, strong Nicaraguan cigar. Yeah. So, yeah. what else? What were you getting on the other side as well? Yeah. So, uh, so sip to smoke. I was saying like charred peaches like caramelized peaches on a grill yeah um moving on in the second third that tea's still there for me the earth is still there chocolate and something you said yesterday was leather and that that's leather present and it's starting to it was actually starting to pick up into like a little creaminess like almost a marshmallow yeah and um that was kind of a nice transition 
And then, of course, the retro hell on this one's kicking up even more. It's now red and black pepper. Yeah. So you're getting both both the cayennes and the black peppers, which is really really nice. Yeah. And the uh, the pairing continues to be just basically, you know, I think I think when we smoked yesterday, we were getting, you know, the peach syrup and the orange slices. Yeah. And it was kind of a nice little, just a slight little bit of a citrus as opposed to the peach too. Absolutely. But. And the. And the final third is really where it changed for us. It really does. And that was wonderful. So uh, the cigar alone turned into like almost a marshmallow thing, chocolate, uh, and baking spice. The the retro hail was cedar and pepper. Yeah. Still. Yeah. But combined together, you get this peach pie with vanilla bean ice cream. Yeah. It's, It's pretty cool. And I even got a little bit of coffee. Which is probably what's bringing in the bean part of that vanilla yeah. bean as opposed to just being straight vanilla. Totally. But it's really nice. We were actually trying to find a peach pie and some ice cream to do with this pairing, too. Sadly, peaches aren't in season can't yet find here. Peach pies around here, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I mean, this, this was a great pairing. Um, the cigar itself, was, which is really unique, if you have a cigar like this, you'll understand. This cigar makes your mouth water. It does. And it could be partly the pairing, but when you're smoking the cigar and you get done and it gets off your palate, my mouth just starts watering. Absolutely. Which is awesome because there's too many of them out there that dry your mouth out too. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's it for today. Um, again, it's the 1502 Black Gold. We're smoking the Toro and the Copper and Kings Butchertown Brandy. So if you want to follow us, um, I'm on Instagram at Final Third Cigar, or you can go on the website, FinalThirdCigar.com. Follow us there. Um, check out the full-length video on there as well. And I'm Isaiah. You can find me at the Whiskey Pastor on Instagram. Yeah, so thanks a lot for listening, guys. Try out the pairing, and we will see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Well, those guys, they keep pumping out the uh, the pairings there. And if you're in the Indianapolis area, make sure you swing on by Final Third Cigar and Whiskey Lounge. I know Broccoli's been working on his uh, cigarden. He's uh, got a outdoor covered patio thing going on, and he's calling it the cigarden. I like that. I like when people find interesting ways to use the word cigar and make another word, like like I did 13 years ago with Cigar Liberty. Right. I've heard that a couple of different places, so it, it obviously spread. I was told. So when I when I coined the phrase on the show, I said to Dave, mark the tape in your brain, because in the future, this is going to be a word that's used, and I'm not going to get the credit for it. And I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if Cigar Journal gives me credit for coming up with it. It doesn't matter to me. What matters is that Dave Garofalo knows in his heart of hearts that I said it first. That's enough for me. Well, I'm claiming infotainment. You can use it, but I'm claiming infotainment. Brilliant. That was brilliant. Well, I talked to Dave. Um, so okay, I'll give the I'll give the backstory here on this. So I knew that you guys were going to be talking about cigar media on that one episode. Dave and I were supposed to record the day before you guys did that episode, that Friday night, and um, I was plagued with. Uh, technical issue after technical issue and so dave was thankfully very gracious enough to reschedule for uh later next week um 
And uh, it worked out really well because then he could do that episode and I could kind of like listen to what he was saying. But we kind of talked a little bit that Friday night prior about kind of a little preview of what he was going to say. And um, he actually asked me, he's like, you know, you and Jeff, you guys are like the only actual journalists that I know that are doing this kind of stuff. And I, I, even in that conversation, I cut him off and I'm like, yeah, but what we do here is not that, you know? And uh, now I've thought about things that we could do here that would be more along those lines. Um, but I haven't, it's, it's a matter of time and effort, quite frankly. Um, but, uh, you know, when he brought that up and everything, it just kind of prompted me to think, you know, maybe I ought to throw in my two cents on that. And I hope it wasn't too much of an, uh, of a pitch for, or an nope. advertisement for my show, but you know, oh, please, we love that. We <laughs> love that. You guys are true friends of the show and the, all the stuff that with the, the ripping off the different segments and ideas, <laughs> It, it never, ever, even slightly had any tinge of uh, disrespect or, um, you know, you get aggravated when somebody copycats you. It's not, it never was that because it was so tongue in cheek. It was so funny. It was just it, really a stroke of brilliance. And, well, and, yeah. and for us, like I, the other day, I'm ringing someone out and they go, are you on that podcast? They don't even know the name of the podcast. Uh-huh. And I go, yeah, 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 I'm on the podcast. And they go, oh, which one are you, Barry? I just recognize your voice. <laughs> and I'm like, nope, not nope, Barry. Nope, nope. <laughs> I'm Jonathan. And they go, oh, Mr. Jonathan. I go, yeah, that's me. <laughs> right, so the the being able to, I, I, the recognize, it's so weird that people recognize me by my voice or my face or whatever from seeing the show, listening to the show. And to get to the point where somebody does a, an exact tongue in cheek ripoff, it, it honestly, truly, we, Dave and I have talked about it a bunch of times. It makes you feel like you've kind of arrived yep. that there's, there's enough content out there to be ripped off and have somebody get the joke <laughs> is great. No, we appreciate it. I mean, that's the thing. We're not doing anything, you know, um, to be, you know, um, uh, Offend or not offensive, but you know what I mean. We're not purposely ripping anything off with the intention of maybe the cut. I'll give you the cut, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but no, I get what you're saying. Like, I was driving to Riverman one day, and the route that I have to take from my place, I live out in that dude needs his car looked at. Um, I live out in uh, southern Illinois in a rural area, so it's like you know, 30 minutes from here to the Mississippi river and then another 15 minutes from the river to Dan's place. And, um, my route from here to the Mississippi, I, you know, I'm taking country highways, man, two lane country highways to get there. And I was driving over one day and, um, all of a sudden my phone pings and I shouldn't admit to this on the, on the cast, but you know, whatever I looked down at my phone and I have an Instagram message and I look at it and it's a gentleman and he goes, I just had a celebrity sighting. Nick just passed me on the road, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this dude just recognized me driving in my car. 
Like, awesome. Like I've never like it's not like my car has been. I've never talked about what vehicle I have. I've never you know shown my vehicle on the on the cast or anything like that. This guy saw me through a windshield going fifty five miles an hour the opposite direction and recognized me and then man, uh, messaged me. And I didn't even know this. I even had a listener in this area, like right there. Awesome. And you know, I, apparently, I passed his landscaping business. And he said, yeah, I listen to you guys when I'm out working because, you know, you help the hours go by as I'm doing landscaping work and this and that and whatever. So I thought it was really cool. And it's little things like that. that just like when they happen, you're like, yeah, you know what? This is actually kind of working. So so I get it. Yeah, you guys have got me through many a paint project. <laughs> we'll have just to- stream it off to the uh, sound bar and make it loud and I can hear it everywhere in the house. Oh, you're going to love Tuesday's show then. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. I I was gonna say. I mean, hopefully, hopefully we are, we're able to pull off what I want to pull off for. Well, I'd be the Tuesday prior to this episode coming out because um, the uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna trigger some folks. Let's put it that way. A lot of I like it. A lot of food. A lot of food. But anyway, uh, well, I am down to the little nub here. I switched back to my uh, Corojo Reserve. I noticed that. Is that one of your aged ones? It is, yeah. This one's got a year on it. So talk about the aging process a little bit. That that, that brings that up. So how do you, like, what's your, what's your method of doing that? All right. So humidity is something that people stress out about, and it's the last thing you got to worry about. So most people, and I'll give everybody a quick tip, when you have high humidity, when you're anywhere over 35%, you have the ability to grow mold. Temperature becomes the issue at that point. So the higher the temperature, the more the likelihood. And obviously, the more humidity you have, the more the likelihood. So in the, I keep my cigars at about 60%, and then I will dry box them for two months and try to get them down to as close to 45% as possible. Dry box. That, what dry box just on top of the humidor so you just take out, it out of the in the humidor, winter time you just put yeah. it out in the open air all box open air uh winter time in new england is ideal because we're rolling somewhere around 10 percent humidity so i keep my boxes sealed in fact for people that are watching here's one that i recently purchased okay and it's got the receipt on it and it's still sealed in cellophane and it's just sitting on top of my humidor and after a couple of months, I'll put it in the humidor. And I do that over and over again for a year, uh, two months out, one month in. So four cycles of that. And it forces any of the leftover ammonia, any of the uh, nitrates that you can taste that are in there, any of those harsh qualities that are in the tobacco, it forces them out through the open end. And then when I rehydrate it, in the case of Aladino Corojo Reserve, it's in a cedar box, it absorbs the cedar that's in there. So I end up with a very, very well-made, great-tasting, cedary cigar at the end of the year. And See, I've got one, one, more, one box in there that I'm, I'm going out two years on, but I don't have that kind of patience to do that all the time. Well, that's what I was going to ask. So you said at the end of the year. So you ate, typically age for about a year? Yeah, I buy my cigars now that I'm going to smoke next summer. Okay, interesting. 
Um, and then, you know, can people do that? I know storage for some folks is an issue. Um, I know some guys around here that they have the big uh, airtight, you know, Rubbermaid containers, you know, and that sort of and, thing. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with those. The tough thing about that is that you don't have a fail safe. If you get a humidity spike in there, if you get a temperature spike, you can grow mold on the inside of that plastic. And where wood is more beneficial is it has the ability to absorb the excess free moisture that's in the air before it gets to your cigars. So, uh, and uh, here's another fun tip. So if you have a humidor and it gets moldy on you, take the cigars out immediately, check the cigars, make sure you don't have mold on the cigars. But if you get some white vinegar on a rag and you wipe the inside of that unit, you'll kill the mold. And what vinegar does that bleach doesn't do, aside from it being an organic substance uh, that isn't going to kill you, uh, vinegar will penetrate the pores of the wood and kill the mold in the wood, whereas bleach will only work on the surface. So any mold spores you have in the pores of the wood itself, that mold's going to come back. So if you're humidor is moldy, wipe it down with some distilled vinegar, let it sit overnight, wipe it down one more time, let it sit all day. And then so 24 hours after you start the process, you can put your cigars back in that humidor. You're just looking for the vinegar to dissipate to the point where it doesn't smell like a pickle jar. You can, if you still, if you have a faint aroma of vinegar, it's not going to do anything to the taste and flavor of your smokes. You're not going to have vinegary cigars. No. Okay. No. That's good to know. In fact, there are uh, countries where, so each country kind of has its own signature concoction that they have with their water. So in the Dominican Republic, it is wine. So when they're re-wetting the tobacco in the polones, they'll put wine in the water. In Nicaragua, it's citric acid, which is lemons, oranges, limes. They grow like weeds there, so it costs them nothing. And they'll add that, and that helps to speed up the fermentation process to get to the end result quicker. Uh, and there's a country, and it's Cuba, they use vinegar. So it's already being used in tobacco. It's not going to do anything. I've, I've done it. Nothing hap- Nothing bad happens. Interesting. All right. Well, getting some good tips here. That's great. Appreciate it. Um, well, I have probably kept you plenty of time here and, uh, but I want to make sure you're always welcome back. Thanks. I mean, well, when Dave said, when Dave did that little (laughs) subtle dig, I'm like, all right, I don't want you to feel pressure to have me on just because he said it, but also I, it, it had been a while and I wanted to be on, but at the same time, I wasn't trying to lean on you. So just letting you know, no. I, admittedly, what happened uh, last year, um, Jeff and I, we got it got really busy. Um, the world started coming back, and you know it was one of those things. It was easy to line up guests during 2020 when everybody was free and available, and then 2021, you know, early part it was kind of uh, still a little little locked down. But as the world kind of started coming back, you know, work started picking up, and then it was okay, we've got to do this, we've got to do this. And unlike you guys, I don't plan out episodes, you know, two months in advance. So, you know, it's one of those things where I have to 
uh, go off of people's schedules and then my varying sure. schedule. And so, uh, we didn't have a lot of guests last year. So no, I mean, it's kind of an open invite, man. I mean, if you guys or you or anybody else wants to come on, I mean, it's literally a matter of, you know, Hey, haven't been on in a little while. You want to chat? And it's like, yes. I mean, you don't have to wait for me to ask. All right. So I'm in, you know, so, but we really appreciate you taking time. It's my pleasure. So real quick, I guess I ought to play this here too. This would normally be the time that I give some information about My Monthly Cigars, but I've hired that out this week, so take it away. My Monthly Cigars is a premium cigar subscription service. It comes in a variety of different size boxes at affordable prices. Use offer code PULPIT and get free shipping on your first box and 20% off any items in the online store at MyMonthlyCigars.com. That's offer code PULPIT. Thanks! Thanks. Everybody's making nice. fun of the way I say thanks at the end of that. I don't know why. Um, and then we're on Instagram at the Cigar Pulpit as well as at Naked Gator, any KKID Gator. We're also on Facebook where we have the Cigar Pulpit Prisoners Group. And then we're on Twitter, which I may or may not. I mean, it all depends on when Elon Musk takes that over. And then we're on YouTube for right now. And, uh, guys, we need your calls for Ask the Boys. I think I've got two calls in the queue for this week. Uh, so we're going to need more. So make sure you give us a call. Area code 61. Er, <laughs> that was almost, almost giving up my cell phone number there. Uh, 863-874-0000. And then, Mr. Jonathan, where can everybody follow you? I'm only on MeWe and Twitter. At Mr. Jonathan DJ on, uh, I think it's probably both of them, but I'm Mr. Jonathan on uh, on MeWe. Uh, I am on YouTube. If you are into uh, learning how to do swing dancing, I got a million videos and tutorials. But uh, also the the one place where if you want to check out my um, latest skill that I picked up in the pandemic, making mashups, I have a SoundCloud, Mr. Jonathan DJ on SoundCloud. And uh, I've got a new one that I'm about to upload. So a uh, little, uh, little fun going on there if you need some background music when you're not listening to the Cigar Pulpit. Very cool. Love it. And uh, uh, MeWe, I'm on MeWe. I haven't really branded it so much for the show, um, but I have been on MeWe. But I, uh, I, you know, it's just one more platform for me to jump on. I don't, I'm, I'm all over the place, so... I don't really dedicate. It seems like Instagram I put the time into because uh, I like the pretty pictures. Yeah. But, you know, I know you got booted. so Booted from Facebook and Instagram. Lifetime ban. Did you ever figure Proud out what it. that was all about? The best that we have is uh, being a libertarian voice and uh, cigars. I could see that. Well. They want, the, they, whoever they is, they, they. want you to be a Democrat or Republican and fight. And I want everybody to get along and stop talking about politics. And my uh, reach started being throttled down heavily when I started talking about let's get along. You know, I was going, I was getting 250 to 300 likes or interactions and it was going down to 12 and 13. And it was like, all right. So only people that specifically said, I want this information in my newsfeed. We're seeing it. And it, then it was just gone. We've noticed that too on our end with uh, 
a, a couple of the different social platforms that you know the amount of likes have decreased pretty significantly and i didn't know if that was just you know zuckerberg's war on tobacco or whatever it is because we haven't really you know hit the politics too terribly much in terms of posting um so i don't know i i i'm chalking it up to that but yeah it's it's all over the place and i don't know and and as for the libertarian thing i've definitely found i over the years I've taken a much more live and let live approach with things. So, I mean, I, I'm right there with you, man. It's like, I don't care. I don't care what anyone does in the privacy of their own home. Right. You know, it's not my business. And keep things that should be private, private. Yes. Yeah. Like who you voted for. doesn't fucking matter. For sure. So Literally, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares who you voted for. No one. No one. And if they do, well... That's, that's if they the, do, they voted the same as you. So you you have no you have no conversation happening. Yeah, you, you're just going to bitch about oh uh, this person should have done this and this president should have done that. Nothing that you say in the lounge politically is going to change a damn thing. You're better off not saying it. There you talk go. about cigars. There you go. Talk about cigars. Well, Mr. Jonathan, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today. I know uh, you've got a lot on your plate, and I really appreciate you taking some time out to talk with us. Absolutely my pleasure. All right. Well, guys, this has been another Sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm Nick. And I'm Mr. Jonathan. (laughs) Everybody, take care, stay safe, and stay (laughs) smoky. This is when we normally stare it out. Just kind of staring it out. It feels awkward. It is awkward. But... But also it feels nice. It's 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 Jeff's thing and Jeff thrives on awkward. <laughs> yes, he does. He truly does. <laughs>